are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. It is Friday, November 22nd. We are approaching the end of the Giants' first week back from the bye as they get ready for the Chicago Bears. And still a lot of questions to answer, still some things that need to unveil themselves. And we're going to talk about some of those things on today's podcast. And joining me is someone who whose work I respect and, you know, shame on me for not having him on sooner. It's been a while since he's been on with us, but Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan is on the program with me. And Emery, so sorry I didn't get you on the program sooner. I feel so bad. I'm like, we've had this rotation and then things just kind of got out of out of whack. And, but here you are. Well, that's the most important thing. Here I am. And I didn't hold against you. Life happens. We all are moving in a hundred different directions and busy. So, but I mean, you reached out to me and I was like, oh, wow, that, I didn't think of not talking in a while until you brought it up. So I didn't even think it was that long. Well, I was certainly it certainly was that long for me and it feels like an eternity, even though we see each other in the press box every week. But Emery, let's talk about this Giants team, kind of wh- where they're headed after this bye week. And I think we have to start with the changes that we can expect to be made now. Before the day broke for the bye, head coach Pat Shermer said he wasn't going to make any changes. He wasn't going to fire any coaching staff. He wasn't going to give up the play calling. Realistically speaking, Emery, what can the Giants change on a broad scale basis moving forward? You know, that's a great question. I think they have to think more in terms of personnel than anything schematic. Because when you watch the Giants, you, you don't come away thinking that they are a bad football team. Like they are the Cincinnati Bengals or the Miami Dolphins of earlier in the year. You know, they're not that bad. You you see times during the game where you say, Hey, this team looks pretty, pretty decent. And if there's just a few things happen this way or that way, they'll be just fine. So I don't think they can make wholesale grand changes and expect a different result. I think it's just going to be about more so personnel and putting guys in position to be successful more so on the defensive side of the ball uh, offensively, the I think the obvious thing is making sure Daniel Jones just stop turning the ball over. Uh, but on defense, maybe they can put certain guys in certain spots and, and get a better result. But I think the team uh, just even though the record says two and seven or two and eight, I don't think this is a terribly bad football team. I think they're playing like a team that's probably four and six as opposed to two and eight, if that makes sense. Not that much of a difference, though. I mean, it's still a losing record, but I think I get what you're saying, Amory. And I, I just want to go back for a moment to the coaching staff, and then we'll kind of break break into each of the uh, player positions. Pat Shermer, you know, it just seems to me when I watch the play calling, there are things that week after week after week he does, and they just aren't working. For example, running Saquon Barkley up the middle behind an offensive line that just hasn't gotten much push up the middle and, and in the second level. Um, you know, not getting Barkley out in space. I mean, all the things we saw in the spring, you know, the trip formations, Barkley out wide, moving Evan Ingram, Ingram around, all that seems to have disappeared in the regular season. I mean, 
from a football perspective, and I know you played the game, why do you think that is? I think he was doing a, you know, he was doing a favor to um, Saquon Barkley because he knew deep down that he wasn't 100% and wasn't able to do Saquon Barkley things. So running him like he ran him is, is a way to keep him engaged in the game, keep your, you know, keep the opposing defense honest. And, you know, if something pops, then it pops, but you, you, you really don't want to put too much pressure on uh, Saquon if he's not his true self, because what makes him Saquon Barkley is his ability to be so dynamic. And he's still good when he's not a hundred percent, but at a hundred percent, he's special. Yeah. But Emery, wouldn't it make sense? I mean, you know, and I get what you're saying. So why run him up the, up the middle where he's got to basically push and fight his way behind poor run blocking? Why not get him out in space where maybe, you know, okay, maybe he won't have that burst that he has when he's healthy, but maybe he won't take quite the pounding that he would as if he had to push against, you know, all these big defensive bodies. That's more of an offensive lineman issue than a Saquon Barkley and play calling issue. Because here's the thing, too. If you put a speed guy outside, you take away his advantage. The fat, you know, the fastest uh, way to get from point A to point B is straight ahead. So if you put him outside or try to run him outside, guys that are already outside that are also fast have the angle on him and it can beat him to the spot and render him ineffective. But if you're running him downhill, north and south, and you're and again, because he doesn't he's not 100 percent and can't make, you know, those quick, subtle moves to make a guy miss like we have seen him do at 100 percent. You still are taking a chance that he has enough speed, enough explosiveness to where he gets on that linebacker quickly and can make one cut. Maybe not the Saquon explosive, cut, but one cut to where he can get at least 10 to 12 yards out that play or maybe even hit a home run if he's running straight ahead. So I understand why he was doing it. Um, because you don't want to, the best way to, to break long runs is going right down the A and B gaps, uh, as opposed to going outside. Contrary to popular belief, people think going outside is where you get all your long runs, but running in between the tackles is where you break those big, huge runs. It just wasn't working out for them, uh, during this whole stretch because, again, he's not 100%. That offensive line wasn't really getting any push, and, and that right there is a bigger issue. Interesting perspective. I mean, a lot of people just would think, okay, if he, if he's not having luck running up the middle, then put him outside. But, you know, you, you look at that, how he's run, and I don't think there's any question that that ankle is still an issue for him. I know he's tried to downplay it and say that it's not, not use it as an excuse, but, you know, the eyes don't lie, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, you could, you could see the difference in him not, you know, trying to find creative ways to make something happen. So, um, he's, he's doing okay. Uh, but as you know, once he's healthy, cause remember he came back from a high ankle sprain. And so the fact he was out there playing in and of itself was something spectacular. So hopefully as he continues to get healthier, then we'll start to see the old Saquon back. All right, Emery, let's talk about Daniel Jones. I know the big thing with him is ball security. When you look at him on film, what do you see? Is there is there a constant thing that he's doing or not doing that is leading to these fumbles, or is, uh, you know? And I know coaches and Jones himself will say each one's different, but I got to think other than not putting both hands on the ball, that sometimes it looks like he's dangling that ball a little too low down by his hip. I mean, what do you see when you watch him on film? He's just not feeling pressure, and when you are not feeling pressure, you tend to get lax with, you know, the football. 
So if he was more cognizant of pressure, even in the same situations where he's from the football, he'd have a firmer grip on the ball thinking, oh, I know this guy is coming. I, I saw him come off the edge. I know he'll be here in like two seconds. So I have to really make sure I have a good grip on the football as opposed to him thinking that he's out there in practice with no one's rushing him. So I think him feeling pressure would eliminate a lot of the issues that we have seen from him as far as holding on to the football. Interceptions are a different story, but the fumbling is the biggest issue right now for him. I think he just has to become more cognizant of feel, uh, feeling pressure. And the, and the crazy part is a lot of it is coming front side. So it's not like it's blindside pressure. It's front side pressure, which is even worse because, bro, you could, you're looking at the pressure come at you. You know, you should be able to see that. And so I think if he gets a better feel for pressure around him, that'll help him get a better you know, grip on the ball. Um, and, and that'll help him cut those fumbles in half. Now, this topic came up during the week, and it's something I even thought about um, regarding fixing his fumbling issue. And that is, if you remember years ago when Tiki Barber had the fumbling issue, the coaches had him carry that ball everywhere in the facility and then they would have like a random staff member or her teammate try to knock it out of tiki's grasp and you know it was high and tight keep it up against your chest and and you know nestled between the point of your elbow and and your wrist now i understand it's a different technique a different kind of uh, set of skills i guess for a running back versus a quarterback but i'm just wondering do you think there's any value in having jones carry that ball around with him and you know maybe not necessarily the high and tight method, but just having him, you know, where he, he has to protect it. Should somebody randomly come up and try to knock it out of his, his grasp to try and improve his awareness. You know, that, that's an interesting uh, perspective and I, I can see how it could work for a back or um, a receiver because of how you're supposed to carry the ball in that regard. But for a quarterback, you almost kind of have help have to have him walk around like he's in the pocket all day, you know, which is you can't do that. So even if he's carrying the ball high and tight or just carrying it like he's tucked it away, it's still going to not be, you know, um, like it would in a game. You, you see what I'm saying? Like he would have to stand there and hold the ball constantly with one hand, maybe, you know, maybe walking around holding it up. And it just it wouldn't work in uh, an application like it would for a back or a receiver. Okay, it was a thought. I figured, you know, why not just throw it out there? So, all right, folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're going to take our first break, come back, and talk more about where these Giants are headed and what they can do coming out of the bye week. So stay with us. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep on walking? Well, of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Well, if you want to start putting money in your pocket, check out MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as whom you're betting on. And when you bet with MyBookie, the options are endless. For example, did you know that MyBookie allows you to bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Or if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. 
And when you join MyBookie now and use the promo code Locked On, MyBookie will double your first deposit. So go on and visit MyBookie.ag. And don't forget, use the promo code Locked On to activate the special offer for new users. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you and joined by Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. We're talking Giants on this Friday edition of the podcast. And Emery, I just want to go back to the offensive line. I, I just found it kind of amazing that Shermer this week said that if his linemen are healthy, and last week, um, or actually a couple of weeks ago against the Jets, they were without Mike Remmers, they were without John Halapio, and you know, the line, you know, they, at this point it is what it is, but Shermer basically said that if those guys are healthy, they're going to go back in the lineup. I mean, I know you want to put the best guys on the field and the object is still to win, but at this point, do they have the best guys on the field based on what we've seen? I think so. I think at this point you do, because you don't want to break that continuity uh, with, with those guys. So I do think they have the best guys out there and it's, I hate to be cliche, but it really does boil down to guys just have to start playing better. And if, you know, because any guy you, 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 you sub in or sub out, you're changing the continuity and the cohesiveness of a unit um, that's predicated. Their success is predicated on, you know, cohesiveness and they just have to play better. Now, what about, I, I mean, they talk about cohesiveness and you just mentioned it. And I know in the past when I've asked guys about, you know, swapping guys out because of injuries or whatnot, they say, hey, we're all in the same meetings. We're all talking. We're all communicating. So having played the game, how how is it different? I mean, if you're all communicating, you're going through the practices together, you're, you're, you're in the meetings. What exactly is changing out there when it when it's game time that that creates such a, you know, a disconnect, if you will, you know, in the communication? Well, I think a lot of it is. uh a person's individual skill set and juxtaposed to the, the matchup. So, you know, you may understand, you may know exactly what you're, what you're supposed to be doing on a play. You may even know all the checks and everything like that. But when it comes time to play, you know, there is something that maybe is, um, you know, that, that maybe is a, a new variable that's thrown into the mix that throws everything off. And maybe you're trying to overcompensate for someone getting beat or, Maybe the calls are not coming clear and it, it's a communication issue, which then throws off, you know, everything else. So there's a, a few factors at play. And I think the guys are doing a great job not trying to blame one another. And that's what they're trying to work through in the meeting. That's the that's the, the reading between the lines when he says uh, we're all in the same meetings. That's what that is. Like maybe it's one or two guys that are just not getting it. And they're not getting it at the wrong time, which happens to be in the game or at a crucial part in the game. I mean, when you look at Nate Solder, do you see a guy who's maybe trying to struggle through some type of injury that just hasn't been disclosed? I mean, for a guy to fall off the cliff the way he has, I got to think something physical is is involved there. What, what's your take on that? It will lead you to believe that, right? Because at one point in time, people talked about him as one of the top tackles in the game. Uh, but with injury and we don't know how fully recovered he is from the injury he suffered last year, you know? So remember he went through all of training camp. We we're constantly seeing whether or not he was going to practice or not. If he was going to be a full go. I remember that was the whole, uh, talk of training camp in preseason. So 
you know, maybe he's still trying to work through some things. But at the end of the day, if if he's not if he's out there, he's healthy enough to be out there. Number one, he's one of those guys that, you know, like a coach would say, he just has to play better. And that, of course, is a reoccurring theme throughout. They have to play better. Now, Emery, uh, let's touch a little bit on the defense, which has just been an absolute mess. You know, James Betcher came in with the reputation as being, a, you know, having an attacking style defense. He brought over a lot of his old Cardinal players with him, still hasn't been able to get the results. Again, is it just a matter of he's expecting them to perform at level four before they've mastered level one? Or what do you see going on there? This is where I, I believe they could use some additional help, uh, you know, as far as personnel. If you're going to go all in on the youth movement, go all in on the youth movement, um, you know, and, and throw those rookies out there and, and let those guys just learn and trial by fire. Uh, but if you are trying to install and, and develop for a longer plan, obviously in year two, you want to see some sort of, uh, you know, success. The guys that have been in the system two years, you kind of want to see them you know, perform at a higher level than the rookies. So we're not seeing that. We're seeing maybe one or two guys. Marcus Golden is playing really well. Um, and you want to see more consistency from the the guys that have been in the system, and you're not really seeing that. And and if that's not the case, then toss the rookie out there. Like we like we just started to see Ballantyne get more reps out there uh, at corner. That was a, a, a great thing to see. You want to see how Julian Love fits in. Uh, to this mix. Sam Bill, we constantly want to see what he looks like. You know, I know he's been struggling through injuries, but you want to see what that guy looks like. Zimenez, you want to see him out there a little bit more. Um, now that you have Leonard Williams, how do they, you know, maximize his ability for what looks to be one year? Um, I know he says he wants to resign here and, and they want to resign him, but right now the reality is you have him for a year and you, you know, you want to get the most out of him. So they just have to start thinking. What does you got to really get simple with this defense on the back end of the season? Like, okay, what does each guy, you know, do extremely well? How can we coordinate this into a singular effort, into a game plan out there on game day? Because I, I, pieces wise, you like some of the pieces that they have, but they just got to find a way to coordinate that into, you know, one effort on, on game day. When you look at this defense, what identity do you see? I see a team that wants to pressure and wants to play man, but I don't think they can with the I don't think they believe they can with the personnel. I think they're holding back a little bit in, in how aggressive they want to be in applying pressure because they don't trust what they have on the back end or they don't trust what they have on the interior at that second level, those inside linebackers. So I think you see, you see seeds of it, but you don't see the full-fledged picture because maybe they don't trust the guys that they have out there. So with that said, if you are Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman in ownership at the end of the year, do you retain Betcher or do you go in a different direction and maybe get somebody who can take what they have and make it into something as opposed to just waiting, waiting, waiting until you have the perfect scenario? Right, because that's here's the thing. Because you see this a lot with Spagnolo out there in uh, Kansas City. Everyone talks about Steve Spagnolo, and everywhere he goes, his defense struggles mightily. And it's you know it makes you think like, man, he's only a great coach when he has great players. But a great coach can take whatever players he have and and make them great. Um, so when you look at Betcher, I think the last part of this the season, the back half, the the remaining what six games. 
are going to be big for him uh, because if he if he can start to get this thing turned around and get these guys playing fast and playing aggressive um, and playing you know free football, then it then you can say okay we this is just the approach we're going to have to take going into next year and and that you retain them so you know that's why I think this audition of the the next six games are going to be huge. In addition to the youth movement. If you're the Betcher, do you simplify things for this unit? Absolutely. You have to. Because when things are simple, it allows you to play fast. It's less you have to remember. And it's a higher chance of execution. And that's really all you want to do out there on the football field is just execute. If you think about, um, let's say, and I know this is apples and oranges, but it's, it's the, the point I'm trying to make. We look at an, a triple option football team, Right. All they're doing essentially is running the ball and there's maybe three options of give a keep or a pitch. The reason why it's one of the better offenses in, in football is that the execution level is so high. So it may sound simple and you say, oh, this is simple. It's either going to be one of three options on a play. We could stop this, but you can't stop or simulate high level execution. So when you keep it simple, Especially on defense, you keep it simple. Um, guys are able to play fast, execute at a high level. And if you're executing, if you're out executing your opponent, you're going to be playing a lot of winning football. And in terms of the the rookies, I mean, Betcher's been saying all along that, you know, Julian Love, uh, who was drafted as a cornerback, they've been trying to convert him to safety. He's been learning. Are you kind of surprised that at this point he hasn't gotten on the field a lot sooner? I mean, this is a kid who I don't know uh, about you, but he's always struck me as a very bright young man. And I know that it's it's different, you know, playing safety as opposed to playing cornerback, different angles and whatnot. But are you surprised that by now he just hasn't gotten a chance to go out there? I'm surprised. I thought he would be more along the lines of that Michael Thomas role where you could play him shallow, almost like a slot corner, um, you know, a, a, a alley defender type guy. You don't have to play him back deep. Deep requires a lot of responsibilities. Um, I thought he would have found his way on the field at some point earlier in this season, you know. So it's interesting. It's just interesting to see. Indeed. Emery, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with some final thoughts, folks. Stay with us. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and all other offers from the Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you with Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. And we are just talking Giants as always. You know, Giants have six more games left to the season and then they can put this whole ugly year to bed. And uh, we're just kind of figuring out what we might expect moving forward, what might change, if anything, and what to look for and whatnot. And Emery, I, I want to go back to the offense for a moment here. The Giants are going to have a decision to make after this season regarding tight end Evan Ingram and whether or not to pick up his, the option year of his rookie deal. Now, this is a kid who I think is talented. I don't know that they have necessarily used him to the best of his abilities, but the 
bigger thing with him is the injury issue. If you had to make the decision, would you pick up that option year knowing that you would have to, that you're going to have to pay him uh, like a transition player, or do you maybe roll the dice and say, okay, you know what? He's maybe he's not the fit we thought he was for this offense. Yeah, it's a tough choice, man. I think what you have to do with him is allow him to test the market. Cause I think a lot of teams will have the same questions about whether or not he could be, uh, you know, out there for a full 16 game season. I mean, Ingram, when he's out there and healthy, he's a talent and definitely adds a, an, a different element to your passing game. But, you know, hoping that he's out there healthy at 100% um, has been the challenge. So, you know, you want to see what their price is because you want to keep guys that you spent time developing, and they, they've spent three years now working with him. Uh, maybe not this staff, but, you know, they've spent at least two years with him, this staff. So you've, he's been in your building. He's been in your organization three years. You like the, you like the kid. You just want to continue to work with him but you got to find the right price to make it work. Indeed. And it's not going to be cheap. And also who knows how it's going to be affected because uh, then you're talking about a new CBA and I'm just, you know, we're curious to see how that would play out uh, once they do get a new CBA in, in, in place, because the option year would actually be the first year of the new CBA, assuming of course they get it done. Also on offense, you know, getting back just to the receivers for a minute, Sterling Shepard. Now, this is a kid, two concussions this year, but yet he doesn't seem willing to shut down and just get right. Now, obviously, only Shepard knows how he feels, but are you kind of surprised that they keep bringing him out there and, you know, giving him hope to come back after such two significant injuries that have seemingly had like a delayed onset. If you think about it. Yeah, I, I would, I I would be shocked. If they put him back out there, man, because you want to, it's almost like the situation going on with the Los Angeles Rams and Brandon cooks. You know, these guys are constantly getting these concussions. Um, sometimes you have to save the player from himself and, and allow him time to get back and get right. You know, it's been a, a rough season for Shepard injury wise. Cause you know, you had the thumb injury during camp. Um, and now with the concussions, you know, and, and it's just that is something you can you you want to take seriously and, and not push him back out there too early because he's prone to have another one right away. You know, so um, I, I hope they think long term when dealing with Shepard and, and continue to allow him to slowly work himself back um, and go see that specialist and, and, you know, really take the advice of those guys seriously. And, and even if they say, yeah, he's good to go. Don't put him out there until two weeks after that. You know what I'm saying? Like, help if you want to be over cautious with a with a situation like this, especially with a guy that that's the true glue guy. I think in that receiving core. Yeah, indeed. And you know, speaking of receiving core, have you figured out what to make of uh, Golden Tate? I mean, this is a guy I, I watch him, and I see someone who's very good at picking up yards after the catch. But I, I, I'm just. I don't know. There's something that's just not clicking for me and I can't put my finger on it. Do you, do you feel he's been a good addition to this offense? Well, yeah, I think so. You know, I think a lot of the, the issue has been, they haven't been able to, to, to build that uh, continuity. He missed all those games earlier in the season because of the suspension. And when he's back, you still, now you have Daniel Jones, you know, the fumbles have just gotten out of control uh, to where it kills drives and it stops, you know, momentum and it stops the, you know, the, them building some type of chemistry because of, you know, a fumble or a turnover. So I think when, when, when things have been right, he's been good. I think it was a good addition. 
Uh, but they also plan to have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram at, at 100%, making this thing a full-fledged receiving core. But by those guys have you know been have been uh, missed all this time, uh, it has made everybody else look individually look like they haven't been productive. Indeed. And then just going back to the other side of the ball, Leonard Williams has only played in a couple games since coming over in the trade with the Jets. Maybe it's too early to, to say anything, you know, to, to make a decision. But based on the early returns, what do you see from him? And do you like what you're seeing from him? I still see a lot of what I saw from him with the Jets. It's, you know, you want to see it consistently. It, it flashes at times where, okay, this guy definitely is, you know, someone you want to build around. But you don't see the the dominance that you would expect from someone that was taken in the top 10. Um, and that right there, you know, there are times where you say, hey, what's the difference between Williams and, you know, B.J. Hill or someone like that? Are, are, are you going to get a, a guy that's going to be a legit threat uh, down and down out? Or are you just still hoping that the name will, you know, carry you through? And so I think just like Betcher, these last six games for Williams will be huge. Interesting. And then final thoughts on where this team is going over the next six weeks. They play the Bears and the Bears have had some struggles on the offensive side of the ball, but they still have a pretty good defense. I mean, what do you want to see from this Giants team moving forward starting Sunday? I want to see the defense take advantage of a quarterback that's struggling. And, you know, if they're able to do that, I think the Giants offense, even though they're facing a team that's aggressive and, you know, they can put pressure on a quarterback and you're dealing with a QB and Daniel Jones that is prone to fumbles. But I want to see the Giants defense come out and really, especially after a bye week, make Chicago's life miserable on offense. You know, it doesn't have to culminate in a bunch of sacks or, or things like that, but you want to see three and outs. You want to see, you know, great run defense. You want to see them, you know, maybe force a turnover or two. You're facing a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky that's, that is looking like he's going to play himself out of Chicago in his third season. So don't allow him any confidence. And if they can do that, um, it shows that the defense is, is you know starting to make strides in the right direction. He is Emery Hunt, a football game plan. You can catch him on, I, I think you're doing TV now, right? Still doing play-by-play? -play? Still doing color. I do color. Um this weekend, I have the Monmouth Hampton broadcast on ESPN3 at noon Eastern time. I'll be the color analyst on that one. Uh, so you can check that out, ESPN3 or the Watch, PN, Watch ESPN app. And he is the best-dressed color analyst out there, folks. Let me tell you, this guy, <laughs> you got to check out his duds, man. <laughs> I try, but I try to do it up for the camera a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I it's almost like it's 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 kind of like a running joke, but because we love you, you know, at, at RN in the press box, it's like, okay, what's Emery going to be wearing now, you know? So <laughs> it's always a topic of conversation. Emery, thank you. Speaking of conversation, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Locked on Giants podcast. And I promise we will make it more often than uh, and not have the big laps that we had and uh, continued good success to you in what you're doing. I appreciate that. And I'm always happy to come on and, and talk ball with you and uh, you do a great job and it, you know I'll see you the next home game we have which looks to be the following week against Green Bay that should be interesting it should be indeed and of course we'll also be talking during the after the season when we start getting into the draft stuff because I know you do a lot of work on that you've already started to do a lot so I will probably be picking your brain quite a bit on that stuff as well 
You got it. All right. Giant fans, thank you so much for tuning in this week. That'll do it for today's show. That'll do it for the week. We'll be back on Monday with a wrap-up on the Giants' first game back after the bye, their game at Chicago. For Emery Hunt, this is Patricia Trainer. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.